0: Hello and welcome to Talking Economics, where we give our thoughts to take on global markets, the economy, and the world of business. I'm your host, Alex Saravan, and thank you for tuning into this episode. In my last episode, I looked at how the retail industry was impacted during the pandemic. So in today's episode, I'm going to look at the future of the retail industry. To tell us more about the future of the industry, we have Mr. Collar. Mr. Collar is a senior brand director at Unilever. Thank you very much for being here, Mr. Collar. Before we dive into this episode, could you please share with us more information about your job and more information about yourself Sure,
1: certainly, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so uh, I've been working for the same company for the last 21 years, Unilever, um, so FMCG. I've been in the marketing side of things. Um, personal care products has been what it's about. So, um, soaps, lifeboy soap, uh, shampoo, uh, Lux, uh, uh, and um, I spent most of my career actually working on uh, body care product, uh, specifically Vaseline. So, um, uh, based uh, initially in, in South Africa, I've worked across uh, Mexico, Singapore uh, and more recently in Japan as well.
0: Thank you very much for sharing some light on both your company and yourself. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. During the pandemic, consumer behaviour changed in various manners and they had no choice but to shop online. But with lockdown rules easing, will consumers go back to physical shops or will they still continue to shop online and use e-commerce websites?
1: you know, I, I, for me, I think e-commerce was always something that was going to take off. It was a matter of time. And, and the pandemic was just a huge fast forward button. So um, I think consumers are are coming to realize how convenient it can be. Um, uh, and I think uh, with the shift towards, uh, towards e-commerce, um, a lot of the delivery charges and delivery costs have, have been scaled. So they've come down. Um, and so literally to be able to Push a button and get what you want delivered to your door, so that you have more time for yourself and less time to, you know, get in your car, drive somewhere, find parking, you know, fight the crowds. Um, yeah, so I can't see it going back to what it was. I think that's a it's it's kind of a brave new world for for e-commerce.
0: So with with e-commerce, you know, and firms like yours, you know, with with online shopping increasing, well. um, would the transportation be a something you guys going to invest in more or will you be as reliant on the transportation industry services
1: um well look if um so I was in China I wanna say recently but before the pandemic and it seemed like every you know every every 2 seconds you'd see someone going past on a scooter delivering something it's just uh, so i think the delivery industry uh, has been massively shaken up um and um, and I think uh, you know companies like Unilever are, are less likely to get into it um, from an ownership point of view, but I think um, we'll, we'll be embracing these new channels and new routes to market. Um, but yeah, I think it must be an easy thing to be get, a, get a job as a delivery driver. It's just, it's just a field that's expanding so exponentially.
0: But you know, you say Unilever's not gonna get into it, but in the long run, isn't it gonna be cost effective for you guys? to to invest in a transportation area
1: i don't know um look i think um we talk about companies specializing and doing what they do well so i think um you know Unilever's expertise lies more on the manufacturing side uh and the marketing side we've got amazing you know brands hundred year old brands in our stable um but uh you know traditionally we've always sold to um you know the big retailers and pharmacies and um, you know, some wholesalers and, uh, and discounters, etc. cetera. Um, now, I think we're just gonna find a lot of our sales moving towards more like um, uh, the Amazons, the Alibabas, the whoever, um, Lazada, et cetera. Um, but we're probably gonna let these guys do what they do really well, which is get the products um, from the warehouse to the doorstep of the consumer um, as efficiently as cheaply, as fast as possible.
0: Um, if consumer behavior has changed forever, will physical shops become ancient history and how will retail companies respond to such changes?
1: Good question. Um, we've seen a lot of shops closing down over the pandemic. Uh, a lot of them actually restaurants and things like that, which is really a pity. But, you know, your your retailers are, still seem to be going. What I think you'll find is a couple of things, maybe, um, maybe uh, a couple of them getting a bit smaller um they realize they don't need as much square footage um physically for consumers to go in do i think there's a role for them to continue a hundred percent there's something about that experientialness of going out you know especially if you're buying fresh produce and fruit and whatever like to be able to look and see firsthand um but but yeah we're starting to see uh, again I'll, i'll use china as an example some amazing uh stores that are totally integrating the online and offline so um touch screens, codes you can scan, find out more about your products in store, just as you would if you were shopping online, or you could shop online uh, and have the products delivered to you You know, within 30 minutes, 60 minutes. Um, we've seen shops with conveyor belts inside of them, sort of, uh, uh, we're getting the products ready for delivery. Just, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna become more seamless. Um, and uh, that should ultimately be great news for for the consumer or customer. But yeah, I think shops are here to mm-hmm. stay. Mm-hmm. Still, they'll just evolve.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you talked about uh, produce being, you know, online. But wouldn't there be certain like shops where you need to like feel and touch uh, these products, and before making a uh, before buying the product itself, especially with the luxury products or expensive like um, curated products that are specific for you will they used will those still be in demand or will they be uh, phased out No, i think i think honestly you
1: know i realize what i just said but actually i think less and less the need to physically touch will be important mm-hmm. um i think it's so much easier now with the use of of video content to give consumers an idea of what they're buying so for example um uh, i just i just moved countries and i had to buy a printer um and so you know I'm like, how do I buy a printer? Like, where do you even begin? Um, and do I have to go to this store? Which door go to? I, do? I started going online and um, I, the, the ability to compare models, the ability to compare functions, everything is there. Um, there's great uh, stills, great video, videos, uh, shots of video images, whatever you can watch, all the specs, the dimensions, you can literally compare things in front click a button, uh, and then two or three days later, have it delivered to your doorstep. So um, that's something that in the past, I think I would have wanted to go down to a store feel, touch, whatever. But the more that you do it, the more I'm like getting used to it. Um, and uh, I think that'll, that'll transcend even to even to things that, you know, yeah, fresh produce that you would never dream of, you know, buying something you couldn't see. Do you trust the do you trust the store? You trust the place you're buying from uh, to get good quality. I think more and more people will become comfortable in just pointing and clicking and uh, having it delivered to your door. Mm.
0: You know, we talked about the, how e commerce has impacted uh, your industry and the economy itself. Um, during the pandemic, we saw a few partnerships with e commerce uh, and uh, retail firms like. Uh, Ralph Lauren and Lazada have a partnership. So if consumers' behavior has changed, is it likely to see both small and large businesses creating partnerships with e-commerce websites? Um,
1: uh, look, I'm, I'm I'm not sure. I, I, I see it in, in some ways as something new, but in some ways, you know, uh, these partnerships were happening even in the past with uh, traditional stores and traditional uh, accounts. I think it's just evolving and, and shifting. Um, Certainly, from my experience uh, in FMCG, is um, the more you can partner and offer individual, um, be it content or products for individual uh, retailers, giving them exclusivity, they love that. So um, yeah, I guess you can only see it sort of shifting more and more and more. It becomes easier to do this online now mm-hmm. as well. So um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's quite exciting.
0: But the question I, a natural question that's going to come about is that why can't these web, uh, firms just create their own websites and uh, broadcast it on their own websites instead of partnering up with e-commerce websites in terms of just cost and you know uh, profitability, wouldn't that be more cost efficient for them?
1: Well, yes and no. Um, and you do see a lot more firms, a lot more companies, um, you know, creating their own websites and you can go to them and, and click and buy. Um, however, if you look at where the traffic goes to, if you're a consumer, you don't want to have to click on 50 different sites to to get what you need if you can click on one and more and more tends to be your lazada your amazon your alibaba um and so um particularly for products that don't need a lot of thought you really want to be able to compare um 100 different items or 50 different items whatever um, and then load up your basket and click i think it's it's more efficient that way and i think consumers also the ability to compare and look at different items, not just to compare the specs, but to compare the price and make sure that they're getting the best deal. Whereas if you go, whereas I might find myself for a more specialized, higher cost item going to that company. So, you know, would a, would a Unilever benefit from having a Unilever only store? Um, not unless we were able to offer an entire full set of a basket of, of, of products, you know? Um, so I don't think so for, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Knowing amazon's under threat just
0: yet so we talk about we have talked about e-commerce quite a bit right now so if those partnerships didn't fall about or will e-commerce be a threat for i mean there are t- a threats to an extent to small businesses but what about larger firms are they a threat to them um a larger firm give me an example like uh a... uh if we take ikea or we take unilever itself for example Is e-commerce a threat to these firms? I don't see that
1: at all. I think uh, if anything, they're a massive, massive, massive opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, if consumers are shifting from going into physical stores to shopping online, um, it's just a changing in, in the location of where the sale happens. You know, it's not, it's as long as the sale happens, um, there are a bunch of of opportunities uh, that, that, that companies like Unilever could even save for example so um, instead of having to supply their products to you know a uh, hundred different uh, branches of a retailer for example you supply it to their main warehouse um, and um, and let them manage the distribution from there it doesn't have to go it goes basically from um, from from the manufacturer to a warehouse to um, to the consumer as opposed to manufacturer, warehouse, hundred different stores, every one of these stores paying overheads, and then to the consumer. Um, so there's there's possible savings to be had, uh, economies of scale, efficiencies, and, and and this is again good news I think for the consumer. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't if I'm a, a company like Unilever, I would not be threatened. In fact, I would be you know. Uh, falling over myself in trying to see how you can maximize this opportunity before uh you know our rivals our rivals do or it, everyone should be doing this you know um, and the the funny thing is like it um uh you know china is the one example like maybe w- w- of where we're going you know 50 percent of um of, of a brand's sales may now be coming through e-commerce whereas in many many markets that are, are can be very first world but i've seen as more traditional um uh you know so even you know, south africa thailand us europe whatever you know um it can still be you know a number of less than 10 percent of these type of um regular fmcg products that are going through e-commerce so uh it's just a massive opportunity that's still untapped um and so yeah the, the companies that get on the bandwagon the fastest will stand to benefit the most
0: is that benefits all going to occur in the short term or is that something we is more likely to see in the long term in about like 10-15 years with the with more population the high, high number of the population being more using mobile phones and devices to more access to online than the older generations
1: i i see the benefit well the the the, be, the benefit stands to be unlocked today um okay. yeah there'll be some older folks who will, will never get on uh Uh, their phones to order something because they're going to go down to their store and buy, but um, the, the, you know, I don't know what percentage of the world is like, you know, under age 30 or so (laughs) it's way more than half, I assume. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, all these people have access um, to, to phones, to computers, to tablets, to whatever. Um, And they're, they're on them all the time. Their their, their shops are literally under their fingers. so so I don't think it's a question of, of waiting to see the big migration uh, of consumers' habits to, to online. Um, it's right there for the taking, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, several companies had to create an online presence or they had to improve their online presence. So what is the next step for retail industries after creating an online presence?
1: Um, so... So, I mean, I guess there's many phases. So, so great. You're online. That's awesome. Now what? (laughs) Um, I think um, people have less and lesser attention spans. They also want to be able to make decisions very quickly. So it's about improving your online presence once you've, once you've reached it. So how do you make the shopping experience a joyous one for consumers? So it starts with sort of just delicious and yummy pictures of your products. Um, Some great videos that explain how they work. Uh, links to other content, different tie-ins, exclusivity for different retailers with different um, limited editions, promotions. Like there's just so much that you can do. Um, uh, Yeah. And um, the bar keeps on getting raised, keeps on getting raised. It used to be, you know, you would have like, if you're selling a pen, you know, show this pen on a white background with a price tag, and there you go. You know, uh, now, now it's like, to show it how someone uses it and on how, how it works and show the different colors and man it's just uh it's just never-ending uh, in terms of mm-hmm. what you can do to stay ahead of your competition so the
0: demand for marketing to next is just increasing after this point right yeah yeah it becomes mm-hmm. far less
1: about mm-hmm. spending all your budget on a 30-second tv ad and far more about um uh you know online content mm-hmm. Mm-hmm bite-sized online content, yummy Mm -hmm. online content, Mm -hmm. all the,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unlike large corporations, small firms do not have the spaces or these access stocks, so they have to be more innovative with their supply chains. And during the pandemic, the sensitivity of supply chains were highlighted. So moving forward, how will small firms provide or create a strong and sustainable supply chain? Um,
1: Well, firstly, I have to say it's... uh, E-commerce is the great leveler. Um, So it used to be, if you were trying to to sell your products, but you were small, you know, you had to fight to get listed uh, in one of the the big supermarket chains. Nowadays, um, the barrier to entry to to get your products to a marketplace, whether that's Amazon or whatever, is is so much less. So um, so yeah, it's a great leveler um, and it's a good opportunity for smaller players um, and it's a it's a real challenge for big brands you know no longer just does the weight of being a big brand help you because um uh, you know a big brand might have like 50 facings in a store and a small brand may have one now online it's everyone gets one pick, one visual one you know so um so i think you know so, so from a supply chain route that you asked me about um i don't think it, it changes much where you're selling um if you're going through one of the large uh, e-commerce retailers. But I think that the challenge is being seen. Um, but a- again, um, what I was saying, it's not just about your 32nd TV commercial anymore. It's about creating content, creating an, an online uh, user base, uh, fan base, uh, and getting your products uh, sort of found and then clicked on uh, and then you know ultimately put into your basket and bought um where where these guys i think would be spending most of their their time and effort
0: mm-hmm. we've talked about how important this adver- advertising is but if we go back to like the early 2000s uh big billboards and um flyers brochures were a big thing but during the pandemic firms had to go online moving forward is that how they're going to continue to uh, share these you know quick uh advertisements or is it going to be a mix or a, a dynamic between both
1: I think I think these channels will all stay important. Um, you know, so uh, billboards will remain. People will hand out flyers. TV ads will remain. Uh, it's just that I think um, uh, the move towards advertising online will become far greater. The difference there is, um, whereas a billboard, obviously, the key objective of a billboard is usually awareness. Um, and it's a message that you can get in a second, but you, you don't usually interact with it. I think you know, people who trying to do, do the, the equivalent of a billboard online fail um, because um, uh, no one loves seeing banners and things pop up um, all the time. You've got to create more interactive content, more engaging content. So I think it's, it's challenging advertisers who, who use the medium uh, of you know, online space in which to, to communicate um, to find more interesting ways, like to really earn every view, to earn every click, through creating entertaining engagement. Um, and as a marketer, I find that way more fun, honestly, than <laughs> briefing and designing a billboard. But you know, will a billboard still have its uses? Absolutely, as long as people walk past them, drive past them, see them. You're going to have your your big brands and your big players who will use them as a way to get awareness. But um, but I think uh, that's going to not be as important as, as it was
0: probably in the past. If it's not going to be as important, then what's the purpose of having the billboards itself then?
1: Well, um, so so, so look, billboards are about about awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's literally, it, you can get one message across. So I think you'll probably find it's your big brands who want to maintain a level of awareness um, uh, a base level of awareness um so you know your coca colas your iphone your apple your whatever uh, you know there's there's definitely room for for that um it's just that they're limited after that you can make people aware of your product after that all the details about your product you're not going to get from a billboard
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and that's why um, you know, people will look for that information probably online if they're interested enough to want to go and get it um you know, um, and who knows, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a uh, sort of a media buying expert, maybe billboards end up becoming a little bit cheaper because, you know, um, money is, uh, is shifting towards online. Um, maybe not. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll remain, um, mm-hmm. on the landscape. Yeah.
0: So you are saying it's more, it's more billboards are more tailored for, uh, larger firms. So. In terms of smaller firms, is online presence and online advertisements the way forward for them?
1: Yeah, well, I think online offers opportunities that that offline doesn't. So, um, the ability to tailor your messaging and target your messaging. So, Facebook, Google, etc. If you're a small business and you, you know, the whole uh, like you know, twenty years ago, you'd you'd make an ad and it would be seen by a few million people, maybe five percent of those people would be your target market but you didn't have an option to only tailor you know you could maybe choose the tv show that you think your consumer base was wanting to watch and air during that time and you know um you could maybe improve the efficiency of, of reaching your audience that way but there's never been uh an ability to tailor um your communication as there is today so um you can uh you know you can target uh um, not just the, the gender, the demographic, but people who like this, who are interested in that, people who are interested in the segment—you um, know—you uh, can really narrow it down. And so you find that um, it may be a bit more expensive per person, but the quality of fin- the, the, the ability of targeting the correct person, the person who's most likely to be interested in your product, is huge. Can't do that with a billboard. Can't do that with a TV um, And so that's why I think a lot of small companies um i not just advertising online because you know that's all they can afford to do <laughs> it's the best way to reach um their consumer
0: mm-hmm. okay but you know how effective will they be You know, ter- if you ask me in terms of advertisements the mean i see what I'm, I'm trying to get away from it, you know it's not something i'm particularly oh cool i'll, I'll click on that link and I'll, I'll see what the website is and i think that's how most people view it they're not really keen to see these advertisements. So how effective are they in terms of conveying the message they want? To yeah, I, I mean,
1: wallpaper, you know, um, I mean, what the, if you just put a banner ad, I think the click through rate or something is, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but like less than 1%. Mm-hmm. like, cause you're right. Who wants to just, oh, wow, there's this airline is advertising that. Yes, I'll pick on that. No, you won't. Um. So, however, if you see a video that in the first, you know, three seconds, there's something about it that goes, oh, that's interesting. Uh, and you you end up watching for five seconds, for 10 mm-hmm. seconds. And, and as it goes, you're fascinated by the story. Um, you fall in love with a character or you find yourself laughing out loud. And by the end, you see how the brand has been woven into the story of that narrative.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you're watching advertising without even realizing you're watching advertising. And hopefully by the end of it, um, uh, the brand message has been received by you um and um and the appetizer's happy and, and you're happy. You've been entertained, engaged, you know. And so that's 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 the task of advertisers now. It's no longer just put your brand on a static um you know A4 <laughs> or banner ad or whatever. Um, um yeah, entertain, engage and do it in the first literally three seconds. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Kolob, for your profound insights. Thanks for listening to Talking Economics. I hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the future of the retail industry. In my next episode, I'll be looking at another industry that was impacted during the pandemic. If you're keen to hear, hear more about it, tune in next week. Thank you.